Hi, I'm Angie, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. We are the Faith Love Sisters, four women who love Jesus and who have committed to spending time studying the Bible and growing in friendship with each other. We love being together, and we hope that you'll enjoy your time with us. Okay, the wall is built. The people have been put in... Um, have been put in place to protect the city of Jerusalem, but there's still work to be done. This day of homework covers Nehemiah 7, 4 through 73. What we're going to do is just kind of list the people because it's quite a lot, quite, it's a lot of names and that would be kind of fun to make Terry do that, (laughs) but we're not going to do that here. So we're just going to talk about the groups of people and then we'll go in more specifically later. So the groups of people were the leaders came back, lay people came back, religious leaders, servants, and people with uncertain genealogy. So as after doing some math and actually really after just looking at looking at the number in verse in chapter 7 verse 66 that says the whole company numbered 42,360 <laughs> um, well that's that's a lot of people but it's not enough to fill this city so what was the problem they were having in Jerusalem at this time so they had this big giant city Um, But they didn't have enough people. Right. And their houses weren't rebuilt yet, Mm -hmm. which is kind of an issue. Yeah. Because if you have all these people, you have, you know, you have the city ready Mm -hmm. uh, or the wall ready and the city ready, um, and you have this space, but there's nobody there. You're just kind of wandering around. I mean, it's kind of like a ghost town for them, Mm -hmm. you know, like from the Wild West or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then so how did Nehemiah fill that? How did he take care of that problem? Well, he wants them to be fruitful and multiply. Um, mm-hmm. That's what God has called us to do as a people. Um, but first, before he can tackle that, he needs to be able to figure out what he's working with. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's he knows the number. Kind of done a census of the people. Mm-hmm. Right. See who he's mm-hmm. got, what they can do. Mm-hmm. And there are... Um, I love that he also numbered the animals. Yeah. You know, we've <laughs> talked about like, well, what animals are there? Did they have elephants? We knew mm-hmm. they had camels, but he says there were this many horses, this many mules, this many camels, and this many donkeys. And, and no were, elephants. And no, and no elephants, you guys. Uh-huh. Sorry about that. <laughs> so these little bipeds are really working hard. <laughs> or they're not bipeds, quad, quadrupeds. I'm yeah. sorry. No, it's okay. Man, that'd be fancy though, camels on as a biped. <laughs> Anyway. Okay, now you're scaring me, and it's sounding like an Aladdin movie. <laughs> the dancing or something. I think that's yeah. a problem. We've all watched Aladdin in the last yes. few little yes. bits. Definitely. You can tell it was just released on video <laughs> anyway, or DVD or whatever it is now. Um, well, Terry, do you want to, instead of reading through all of that, read Jeremiah? Did you already do that? No. no. Okay. All of a sudden, I was like, we already did that. Um Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. Okay. As always, out of the NIV. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Which, when I read this, it blows my mind. Um, You will find me. 
I will gather you back from the nations and places where I have banished you. And I'll bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. It was it was God's hand in all of this, even to the point of, you know, he said, if you don't obey me, if you don't listen, if you don't obey my commands, you'll be taken off into captivity. Mm-hmm. And he says here, I'm, I did that. You didn't listen. I took you, but I'm going to bring you back. When you look for me and you search with, for me with all your heart. Yeah. So. That, that sounds like something that happens with us. Sin has consequences, mm-hmm. and yeah. when we do that, we're separated. We're out in that um, exile, in captivity, and yeah. we're separated from God. And yet, um, He's always calling to us. Mm-hmm. He's always encouraging us. He's always loving us, and He's always bringing us back in. And what He needs is that change of heart. Mm-hmm. Not He doesn't need it, but that's what. That's why you're in captivity. If you're struggling right now in something, what's your heart like? That would be a question. Is it soft towards God? Is it hardened? Check your heart, right? A lot of times I think when we get in trouble, we blame God. Mm-hmm. And the minute we do that, then our heart is hardened. You know, right. we harden our heart against Him because we're angry with Him. Um, and I think we have to realize, just like we teach our kids, you know, there are consequences to your actions. Nobody's getting you in trouble but you. Mm-hmm. Um, when we we struggle with that, I think our whole lives. When I do something, I bear the consequence of my choice. And God won't, you know, like a good parent, He's not going to keep me from that consequence because most likely that's the only way I'm going to learn right. whatever lesson it is that I need to learn. So He allows me to suffer the consequence that I've chosen by my actions. Um, but that's a lonely place. It feels lonely and it feels desolate out there when that's going on. And you're more exposed to the other culture, meaning um, ways that God doesn't want you to be living. Mm-hmm. Right. It's so easy to be caught up in all of that because that's where you end up being. You're out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, was, I was thinking, it's like, yeah, but what causes you to step away again? It's that sin. It's that little piece in your heart. It could be just a tiny, tiny, tiny little piece. And God knows that's what's wrong, right? And that's why he needs that heart to come from stone and give us a heart of flesh. Well, because our heart's desires, even when we walk with God, are not necessarily godly. Right. You know, we all have some little hidden dreams and desires. Um, And until our heart is really his, and that takes a lifetime if we ever get there, um, there are going to be things that come up that are self-centered or self-serving or selfish um, that are going to lead us astray. Right. And I think that's why we have to guard our heart. If you don't know what the Word says about things, um, and if you're not spending time with God, getting to know Him, and you don't know what He believes and feels and thinks about all the things that are out there in this world, then it would be pretty easy to, take a, to have a misstep. Yes, and you know what? I That would happen when I would believe what other people said about God, but I didn't know His Word. For yourself. Wow, was yeah. that so mm-hmm. easy to be yeah. thrown off and mm-hmm. gone into the, mm-hmm. the kingdom of this world? Right. I was totally in it. I was totally in my Babylon quite a bit. And um, yeah, yeah, it's because I didn't know His Word specifically. I have some... I'll, um, 
I did a home Bible study for a long time and had a lot of different friends from a lot of different walks of life. Um, some of them didn't come from Christian backgrounds at all. Some had been involved in New Age, and you know, I'm 62, and that New Age movement was pretty big when I was like 35 to 45. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so some of them would sit at my breakfast table, and, and we would talk about all their spiritual mm-hmm. ideas and thoughts. Most all of those mm-hmm. spiritual things were New Age. They weren't Christian, but that was they were very confused about that. They just assumed that since they thought it was spiritual, mm-hmm. that that meant it was godly. Mm-hmm. If you don't know the Word of God, then it would be easy to make that mistake. Um, so it is important. That's why it's so important for us to hide His Word in our heart so that we know what He feels and thinks about things. Um, it's safety for us. It's a safe place. And if you are not, I'm not a good memorizer. I've never been great at memorizing the location of things um, or places. I mean, that is just not how my brain is wired. Um, and so I, I can usually tell you the basic of what the scripture says, but I can't tell you word for word. I can't tell you what book it is, what chapter it is, what verse it is. That's just not how my brain is wired. Like when I was growing up and we were doing Bible verse memory for Sunday school and stuff, I was like, nah, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm missing out on the starburst today because I can't, I don't, I don't have it. No gold star. No. I will steal Susie's in Bible class. I'm just kidding. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's just not how my brain works. Mm -hmm. So I... Can re, you know God has those things that are hidden in our hearts, and I know um, that there is a scripture somewhere. But I will look up and look up and look up and look up to see exactly what it is. And there are so many great references out there. There are so many great um, resources mm-hmm. that you can get your hands on. There are apps that you can download. Um, there's a Bible app that is you know, just common, um, and you can type in a word and it'll bring up everything, um, every every passage in the Bible that has that word word in it. You know, there's a, there's something called a concordance Mm -hmm. and that's, um, essentially the same thing in a book form. A lot of times they're found in the back of your Bible. You can get whole entire books that are straight up concordance. There are lots and lots of resources. So if you don't know, if you don't have those passages memorized, if you don't no, and you hear something and you think that it's probably in the Bible, probably the Word of God, but you're not sure, don't be afraid to look it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Google it, but yep. make sure that you're looking at something that is authentic. Yeah. And if you don't know and something still just isn't sitting right, go to a different resource. Mm-hmm. So if you have one or two or three things that are going to vouch for each other, they all say the same thing then that is how you can know that something is accurate. And if you just don't feel right in your spirit, if something just isn't settling right, look it up. Yeah, Talk to someone who is trusted and who knows the Bible. Um, ask questions because that's how we grow and that's mm-hmm. how we learn Absolutely. things. Mm-hmm. I, I struggle with you too. I don't remember a lot in detail. I never have. I didn't have that training when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had... An experience, it, it's it's when you hide it in your heart, you don't necessarily need to know that, because what'll happen is when you're in a tough place. Like I used to think God was always out to get me, 
for good reason. But anyway, <laughs> and then I then I I saw Jeremiah twenty eleven. For I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. When I saw that, I was like, "What? What? That went against everything I knew." And so when I'm in that tough spot, what starts happening is. Maybe I can't quote verse, and, and I know it's kind of somewhere here, somewhere there, but it's like, I trust the Lord and, you know, with all your heart, and he will set your path straight. Do not lean on your own understanding. Mm-hmm. It's like it just starts coming just out of you, mm-hmm. and it doesn't. Chapters and verses are things that we put in. Right. God's holy word are the words themselves. So it's like, God, I know you don't mean to harm me. God, I know you are good. And you can just, it'll just start coming yeah. right out of your mouth, right? Yeah. That's how you know you've hidden it in your heart, and it's not just up here as book knowledge. And they're different kind of learners, too. My mom is an an audio audio learner. Mm-hmm. She learns by hearing more than she learns by reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes she'll say, gosh, I wish I would just sit and read the Bible. She's 87 now. But she listens to the Word all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that Word is still hidden in her heart. Mm-hmm. Even though she didn't memorize chapter and verse, um, she's got the Word in her heart. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I don't think we need to get hung up on those verses. Like you said, those are man-made things to make it easier for us to find them. Yeah. I do think it's important to search and to find them. I really do. I think there's a special mm-hmm. treasure that we get when we spend time searching through the Word of God. Um, but I think just knowing what His Word says, mm-hmm. having it be a part of you, so that when you get in trouble, it just bubbles up. Mm-hmm. Because they're not just words on a page. Right. This is alive. Yeah. And if you hear something and you wonder... Is that from God? Is th- is this the Word of God? Look it up because sometimes Shakespeare sounds a lot like the Bible. <laughs> well, there are a lot of things out there that you sound know. like cleanliness is next to godliness, right? right. Not in not the Bible. In the Bible. Yeah, that's something mothers made up so you would take your bath at night. <laughs> and I'm sure there's one in there saying liver is not good for you. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure like, can we just pray blessings on that person that figured that out? Because when I was a kid, I couldn't do that. <laughs> But you're right. Even now, sometimes I'll listen to someone on the radio or on television, and I'll think, well, wait a minute. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And so my first reaction then is, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look that up. Right. Sometimes it is right. Sometimes it's not. And we've talked about those false prophets, mm-hmm. um, and it's a slippery slope because there are false prophets. There were mm-hmm. then and there are now. And a lot of times the power in those false prophets is that there's that ring of truth and that you start out saying Mm -hmm. the right thing and then it's misconstrued or it goes sideways. So just that's how you have to know it. Mm -hmm. Um, And knowing it in context. Context is huge. Context is huge. Because people can pick and pull and everything and and create their argument. There's Mm -hmm. an old saying in the church I grew up in that if you take something out of context, all you're left with is a con. Ooh. Oh, I thought it was like, then you're going to hell. Like, go ahead. <laughs> but I love that idea because that I, that's the truth. If it's not in context, if I don't understand what God's saying in context, mm-hmm. then I'm, I'm left with something that's probably not true. You know, and that's another point, too. This was written to the people of the time. We need to be able to hear it first in that. Mm-hmm. way, and then we can apply it to ourselves. Right. But first we need to go, what were they talking about in this particular time? 
which is what I, why I love studying the Old Testament. <clears throat> it it just brings the new. <clears throat> excuse me. When you understand some of these things, like a, what a shepherd does, that doesn't like, you know, we can't connect to that here in in the states. But um, if you understand and you look in the Old Testament and you see about the shepherd and da da da, and then you give that you know over to the New Testament where Jesus says, "I'm the good shepherd, I'm the good shepherd. and yeah. I'm the gate." Mm-hmm. You know, they the shepherd yeah. would lay in front of a open space in that little sheep pen and no sheep could get in or out Mm -hmm. because the shepherd would be laying there. And that's what he's saying. That's what I'm doing. Anyways, understanding the old Mm -hmm. and having a good, good understanding of that just ties the new in so well. I just love that. We had some really neat things in in this particular study, the Uman and the, what is it? (gasps) The Thuman. Thuman, yes. Did you want to talk about that? I At part all? of it, like, yeah, maybe the Urim and the Thuban, yeah. 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 yeah, 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 that they were part of the priest's robes, right? Mm-hmm. So we talked before about divination and how that's not what we want to do, but this was a way that God said it was okay to try to um, understand what He wanted them to do. I think only the priests though that's right. why when they were in their robes. when they were going through this um, whole thing and some of them couldn't prove that they were actually jewish they were not um allowed to be a part of the becoming priests and partaking of all of the goodies that the priests got until a, the priests would come and um apply the urim and thummim and the um the priest had that on his breast piece like there's a little pocket mm-hmm. and that would be in a little pouch in there and whenever they, they didn't know the answer um let me read this they ask like a yes or no make, question yes yeah. right yep. and the name urim and thum thuman mean curses and perfections mm-hmm. so they refer to the nature of god whose will they would reveal so they were kept in the pouch taken out and shaken and then just, you know, thrown out. I kind of imagine them like dice. Like dice. And they would get a yes or no answer. And God used those to... Um, so that's what would have to happen with these people that couldn't prove their um, authenticity. Mm-hmm. So... Again, we're going back to all those little finishing details mm-hmm. of who was going to be where and who was going to do what. Um, the things that they did cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Like we talked earlier about how was all of this paid for? Um, mm-hmm. You know, how how did this reconstruction happen? And um, far toward the end of chapter 7, um, verses 70 and beyond, they talk about um, people who are giving money, who are giving drachmas of gold, um, bowls, garments for the priests, um, money for the treasury, um, silver, um, all kinds of things. And I thought, as I was reading this, um, I remember when my kids, when my my oldest was born, um, there was a big push for investing in gold. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, we should invest in some gold. And we, <laughs> I, we had a newborn baby. And so I, I don't know. We probably should have bought an ounce of gold. I think it was like $67 an ounce. Oh, my goodness. And they're talking about these drachmas of gold. And a gold drachma weighs about nine pounds. So I was thinking... Okay, how much money are we talking here? So I did math, which is really weird because I'm not a math person. Even though in the last episode I said I did some more math. Um, So I looked this up, and I looked this up this morning. So it's August, uh, excuse me, I don't even know what month it is. It's August October 3rd, and this is the year 2019. Mm -hmm. And gold is trading, this morning before the markets opened, gold was trading for $1,501.85 an ounce. Wow. Okay, so if you do fifteen oh one eighty five, that's how much it is an ounce, and there are sixteen ounces in a pound. Mm-hmm. So one pound of gold is twenty four thousand twenty nine dollars and sixty cents. Wow. Let me just say that if we had invested at sixty seven cents <laughs> or sixty seven dollars an ounce, we don't, would be doing even all right. Go there. Just <laughs> right. don't even think about that. <laughs> so that's per pound, right? Twenty four thousand twenty nine dollars and sixty cents per pound, and then a gold drachma, one thousand gold drachmas would weigh nine pounds, which goes to two hundred sixteen thousand dollars. 260 let me start over again 216,266 dollars and 40 cents and that's for 1,000 gold drachmas and there are people who gave 20,000 gold drachmas so I had this all pulled up and then I pushed a button (laughs) that happens to me too yeah that's $4.325 million. Wow. wow. And that's not even everything. That's not all the money. That's, wow. that that's just the gold drachmas, right? That's not even all the gold drachmas. That is um, the 20,000 gold drachmas were from some of the heads of the families that went toward the, um, the treasury. The total given by the rest of the people was another 20,000 drachmas of gold. So now we're like eight, nine million? Eight, nine million. Plus we have the thousand that the governor gave. And then we have the silver on top of it. So these people gave abundantly. And I wonder where they learned that. Mm. Nehemiah. Nehemiah, yeah. Because these were the same people who had been charging usury, charging outrageous interest rates, taking people's children as slaves, as bond slaves, taking over their vineyards and foreclosing on them. So in a pretty short period of time, they go from that to now being incredibly generous to to rebuild the city and the temple. And it shows, too, that they were that the Lord was generous to them while they were in captivity because they were able to make all of this. Yeah. You know, he told them wherever you are, that's where you live. Make Mm -hmm. your life. Make your life. And so some of these people obviously were um, very good at what they did and wise with their investments Mm -hmm. as well. So anyway, just another little detail. Yeah. One thing I noticed too was that they had 530 garments for the priest. And then in addition to that, they had 67 garments. There's one priest going into the Holy (laughs) Holies. They're probably thinking your chances aren't good, but we have 
529 to back you up <laughs> yeah, here. Just in case. No, there were other priests. That was just the high priest. They I was did just that kidding so they didn't have that. to do laundry. There you go. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. Awesome. When I saw that, it was like, that's a lot of clothes. Lot it of is. Clothes. So these people are prepared, and these people are generous, and they have seen that God has brought them back to the promised land, and so they, this is their act of worship, mm-hmm. is to just give it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's just very cool. Very cool. I like how Nehemiah modeled that too. Mm-hmm. He did that. There's an FY box in the in the bottom at the end of it, and it, they were talking about um, how would you like to be. You know, Nehemiah modeled all this. So when you look at his relationship with God, what parts do you take from that? Mm-hmm. What parts would you love to have that he showed? I would love to be able to keep focused. Yeah, I would too. Because he knows what God has for him, and he knows he needs to get the work done. Mm-hmm. And he says, leave me alone. You know, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. And yeah. I just, I would love to have that kind of focus. And I like to stick to itiveness. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter what came at him, he mm-hmm. just kept his nose to the grindstone. He kept his head down and he did what God called him to do. Yeah, I I think he was a great model for us. I would like to be a great prayer. Mm. He was in touch with God. He knew what God wanted Mm -hmm. from him because he was in such close contact because of his prayer life, I think, with the Lord. It'd be great to be that much in prayer. Yeah, Mm -hmm. And that depended on God. Mm Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm like that. Like sometimes I'm talking to someone. <laughs> and and sometimes like saying, we're not. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but it'll be like God, show up here, <laughs> like right now, God, please. And then it's like he's, it's like I'm here. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. and it's just like he'll put words in my mouth. He'll just do that. This that full dependence on him mm-hmm. to create what it is that he wants to have created. Mm-hmm. But oh, I love that focus. I'm really thinking about Nehemiah as I do my work and do the things that I need, deal with my big projects. I'm really, I've learned a lot of really good things here. You know, something else that I appreciate about Nehemiah is the fact that he is so adaptable. Mm. He knows what the goal is. Mm -hmm. He knows the mission. But all of these things have come up against him. And so he just takes a turn and says, okay, well, we're going to do it this way. Okay, well, we're going to do it this way. Okay, well, now we're going to do this. So, you know, they're building and they're going along and then the enemies come and they are saying, you know, we're going to infiltrate you and we're going to come and we're going to sneak. And so he says, okay, well, now we're going to put guards on the wall. And so you're going to work with one hand and you're going to hold a weapon Mm -hmm. in the other. And he just goes along his business, but he doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. He just rolls with it. Mm -hmm. I'm not terribly adaptable like that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? You're going to attack? <laughs> Everybody curl into a ball. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the armadillo defense. <laughs> yeah. Which, weirdly, works for armadillos. <laughs> it does. <laughs> if only I had a shell. Right. <laughs> yes. yes. You know, it's interesting. It's like when I do plans, it's like they're just my plans mm-hmm. a lot of times. I think that's where Nehemiah was so adaptable is it's like, God, these are your plans. Yeah. You need to show me. God, you need to show me this next step. You know, so he was, I think the, one of the reasons he was adaptable is they were God's plans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And he knew him. And he right. Knew yeah. Right. He kept looking to God for that. That's awesome. All right. Well, would somebody like to pray us out for today? How about I will? Okay. Okay. (laughs) Lord, thank you. Um, Thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to sit around uh, this table with these women. And I thank you for the women who are listening, Lord. And I just pray that you would... um, that you would just help all of this to settle into our hearts, Lord. Um, help us to have a desire for your word. Help us to be able to hide these things in our heart, Lord, so that when we are faced with opposition and when we are faced with things that are um, questionable, Lord, we would know if they are right and if they are true and if they are from you, Lord. And help us to be adaptable, God. Um, Help us to roll with your plans and to know you and to know that your plan for us is good. God, there's just so much about Nehemiah that is amazing and awesome, and he's such a great example, God. And I just pray that we would be able to kind of camp out on what it is that you have for us, Lord, um, which of his examples we can apply to our own lives, Lord, um, just so that we can be more like Nehemiah and be more in tune with you, Lord, with whatever that looks like for us, Lord. If we have a wall and a project that you have for us, God, reveal that to us mm-hmm. um, and help us to keep the focus that Nehemiah had for you. Um, help us to know that the plans that you have are good for us, God, and help us to um, just really turn to you and be the prayer warrior that Nehemiah in, mm-hmm. in everything that, that you present to us, Lord. And help us to be able to set aside the things that we don't need to be concerned with and not listen to all the junk that goes around, Lord, but again, to know your truth and your love and to be able to hide that in our hearts. I pray that um, as we go about whatever is coming before us, Lord, that we would keep our eyes focused on you um, and that we would remember God just like Nehemiah did. Um, that your gracious hand is all over us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And cut. <laughs> <laughs>